This is a sermon entitled The Bittersweet Heavenly City. It was preached August 7th, 2022 in the Episcopal Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee. Holy and gracious God, continue to break our hearts open so that we might ever look forward to the heavenly city you have prepared. Amen. Maybe some of you read Susan Cain's best-selling book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. I was captivated by this book because it described my own lived experience so well. I remember my mother calling me from an airport one day telling me I had to read this book. It was so us. Being introverts is something my mother and I bond over. Naturally, after being seen by an author so well, I anxiously awaited her new release this spring, Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. In this book, Kane argues that some of us are designed with a bit more melancholy than the rest of humanity, while others have temperaments leaning towards happy, aggressive, or calm. All of us each have various temperaments within us. It's a matter of what we have more of, what the ratio is within any given individual. And though some of us lead with melancholy, all of us have melancholy tendencies. So this book really is for everyone to see, understand, and appreciate the melancholy within us. Cain begins bittersweet with a quote from a professor of psychology who writes, Gregory the Great spoke about compunction, the holy pain, the grief someone feels when faced with that which is most beautiful. The bittersweet experience stems from the human homelessness in an imperfect world, human consciousness of, and at the same time, a desire for perfection. This inner spiritual void becomes painfully real when faced with beauty. There, between the lost and the desired, the holy tears are formed. It turns out that being a crier for so many of us is directly linked with feeling the bittersweetness of life. When your heart feels the great ache of holy pain, when grief swells in your chest, your heart swings open and you're face to face with your own yearning for home, caught between the lost and the desired. Cain says the bittersweet is also about the recognition that light and dark, birth and death, bitter and sweet are forever paired. The tragedy of life is linked inseparably with its splendor. She says you could tear civilization down and rebuild it from scratch, and the same dualities would rise again. To fully inhabit these dualities, the dark as well as the light, is paradoxically the only way to transcend them. And transcending them is the ultimate point. The bittersweet, she says, is about the desire for communion, the wish to go home. Cain says the bittersweet is in all of us. It's the desperate, it's the, de- the, ooh, the despair that the perfect and the beautiful world is forever out of reach. But bittersweet as it, at its best is when we summon it into being. Hmm. 
Cain calls this state that we're longing for the perfect and beautiful world. As Christians, we call it the Garden of Eden or the Kingdom of Heaven. The Sufis call it the Beloved of the Soul. She says there are countless other names for it. For instance, simply home or somewhere over the rainbow. Or as novelist Mark Merlins puts it, the shore from which we were deported before we were born. C.S. Lewis calls it the place where all the beauty came from. They're all the same thing. They're the deepest desire of every human heart. In Genesis, we hear God speaking to Abraham, who is still being called Abram at this point. In a vision, Abram hears the word of God saying to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram goes back at God with his doubts. Abram just cannot see how God is going to take the current circumstances of his life and fulfill his side of the covenant. God's voice comes back at Abram with clarity. God leads Abram outside and has him look upwards at the vast sky. God tells Abram, look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to count them, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord. He didn't have any idea how God was going to carry through with the promise, and he chooses to believe him. In Hebrews this morning, we hear Paul interpreting this very passage from Genesis. He's sharing with the followers of Jesus that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let me say that again. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Paul shares that Abram obeyed when he was called from the place and set out to receive his inheritance. And the scripture says he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he was promised as in a foreign land. Abraham was willing to do this because he kept looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder was God. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He had to set out without direction, purely on faith. It seems what grounded him was his faith, his ability to stay connected to the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There was a longing, a deepest desire in Abraham's heart that kept him anchored in his connection to God and his eyes tethered to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder was God. It was by faith that Abraham indeed had a son by his wife, Sarah. From Sarah, this one person whose womb was not considered full of hope, a single descendant was born that created a pathway for descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. Now what's interesting and maybe a little tough to swallow here is that all of these died in faith without receiving the promises. And from a distance... They saw and greeted those promises. As they moved about the foreign land, they were honest. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. And I love this part. 
for people who speak this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Abraham knew he was seeking a homeland. He was not homesick for where he had come from. Abraham was homesick for God's promise for that city that has foundations whose architect and builder was God. If he'd been thinking of the land that he had left behind, he could have had the opportunity to return. But the longing, the homesickness for what was ahead persisted. Abraham and his descendants desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Now, if I allow myself to really hear this passage, if I can risk leaning in with my whole heart, risk the tears that will likely fall from my eyes, I hear my own homesickness in the echoes of Abraham's homesickness. I can hear the seeking of my own soul for a homeland, a city that God has prepared. Like a child missing my parents went away at a sleepover, that deep ache in my chest. I can feel that longing for the perfect and beautiful world, the Garden of Eden, the Kingdom of Heaven, the beloved of the soul, somewhere over the rainbow, the shore from which we were deported before we were born the place where all the beauty came from, that deepest desire of this very human heart, the longing for home. This passage begs the question, as people of faith, where is home? Where is that city God has prepared? And is there any hope of actually arriving at home given the narratives of the Hebrew scriptures and the theology of the New Testament. This makes me wonder about Jesus' own experience with homesickness, a yearning to feel closer to his father. Did Jesus miss the nearness of God, his father, as as he walked the earth with humanity? Is that why he went off to pray so fervently? Was he yearning to feel that closeness with his father amidst the earthly activities of eating, drinking, healing, and sharing the father's wisdom and love? And is this ultimately why we turn towards God in prayer as well? The spiritual practice of prayer being the turning towards home, pouring our homesickness out to the only true source of satisfying connection. Is prayer the way we bridge what we've left behind and what we're still yearning for in oneness with the Creator? Does prayer create a rainbow that allows us the path toward home? Is the practice of sitting still and quiet a road between here and that heavenly country, the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God? Is prayer what puts us in the boat and allows us to glide back to the shore from which we departed before we were born. Is stillness with the breath of the Holy Spirit what cracks open our soul to connect with the soul, which allows us to sense the belovedness of Jesus and our own belovedness by grace? The more I venture down the road of life, learning from my own experiences and others, whether that be in books or scripture or conversations, 
It appears that home for us Christians is not an actual destination and that connection with God is not a destination on earth. In so much as the heavenly city can be located, it is our connection with God within our own beings and our connection with God through each other that creates a sense of home. The city with foundations is how we orient our daily lives towards God with each other. Home is our willingness to stay open to how God meets us in the mundane moments of life, our messy relationships, and all the ways God delights us with surprises, unexpected circumstances, people, encounters we could not have predicted. And home is the realization that while on earth, we may never fully experience the heavenly city of home. For most of us, For most of us, it likely takes eternal life for God to bring us into full union with God, Son, and Spirit, to bring us fully home in a way that ultimately appeases and satisfies the yearning of our holy pain and grief residing in our hearts. This is strangely good news. Our supple, human, beating hearts naturally yearn for our Creator. God is the only satisfying home because God is the architect and the builder of home. So as we walk the way of love together, may the eyes of our hearts stay open to experience the glimmers of home that come to us in the felt sense of the bittersweet. May the fleeting moments of connecting to home satisfy us enough knowing with every step and breath, we're ultimately walking towards the only true home. Amen. These are the readings that the sermon was based off of. First, a reading from Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. The second reading is the epistle reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and Verses 8 through 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that is what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed what he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, 
not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and then and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven, as an innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. To learn more about my offerings, you can always find information at my website, carolinevogel.com. I also serve as the director of Spiritus Knox, which is a center for learning and practice in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can find more information about all the gatherings we provide there at spiritusknox.com. If you'd like to meditate live together, you can use the app Insight Timer and meditate 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday mornings. That's the app Insight Timer. And we meditate together in body and spirit live 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday mornings. Look forward to seeing you there.